0: Your dreams can be your reality. You all, time isn't real. Okay, that is fucking crazy. Spirituality, manifestation, travel, money, entrepreneurship. Welcome to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Wright. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the final episode of 2021 of In My Non-Expert Opinion. What a year. What a time. What the hell happened this year? (laughs) I think that's the question I'm asking myself. I am so... I am still processing this year, to be honest. As you can see, I'm like all over the place with my thoughts. I still feel like I'm mentally processing a lot that happened and I'm going to get into it today. I'm doing a personal year in review. So last week I did a business year in review where I shared 10 lessons around what I learned in business and what I feel like I could work on in 2022. And I want to do the same thing with my personal life. Now, I was actually going to take a break from the podcast over the holiday break, but I, I really love doing solo episodes. And the feedback I get from a lot of you is you like my solo episodes, sometimes even more than my interviews. And it just made me realize yeah, in the last few months, I've gone really heavy on the interviews, and I would love to do more solo episodes. So 2022, stay tuned. A lot more solos coming. I actually made a form where you can submit a question to the podcast. So if you want to hear my advice or just my perspective on it, I just want to connect with you all and hear what you have to ask and, you know, see if I can help in any way. So I'll drop that link in the show notes. And again, just submit a question. You can also submit feedback to the podcast or your ideas because I'm changing things up in 2022. I've had this podcast for four years you know, in 2022, we're going on five years, which is what the fuck? I can't even believe it when I say that. And I will say 2021 is really the year where I committed to a weekly podcast. In the years past, I would go hard for like 20 or 30 episodes and then take a break and then come back to it. Then I went through a year where I was just sporadically posting whenever I felt like it. And 2021, I was like, I'm doing a weekly podcast and it's coming out every Friday. And I'm happy to report that that happened. So I'm going to continue doing that, but not only am I going to beef things up, meaning I may start releasing two episodes a week, but I'm going to add a bonus subscription channel where we are getting very honest and transparent. Okay, so this is not going to be like vague, general life advice. This is going to be me really opening up about my dating life, about wild travel stories, about sex. I want to bring my mom in who is this crazy Puerto Rican. (laughs) She's going to love that I said that and have her advice on the show. I want to talk to my family. I want to bring some friends in that knew me from college and like have them interview me. I just want to shake things up a bit in 2022 and start opening up about the topics that really people aren't talking about. So again, like sex work and porn and relationships and heartbreak and grief and struggling in your business and, you know, getting yourself in credit card debt and how to get out of it. Like, we need to start talking about these things. I'm just so sick of people putting out vague content and vague advice that's like, it just seems like everything is so easy to move through and like life doesn't work that way. Sometimes there are really dark periods and things that are really shitty that there's really no advice. It's like, this is what happened and this is what I'm still working through or what I want to work through. And here are some things that I can share, but I like to storytell for the sake of storytelling. So that's what's gonna be happening in 2022 like my Euro trip from earlier this year, I feel like I never talked about that. And I want to share some crazy stories that happened. I want to have my sister on to help me recap that I'm going to open up to you about my breakup and what happened and how I moved through that and getting back into the dating world and sex and all these things that again, I don't often talk about on the podcast, I want to make it into a bonus channel. And again, I'm probably going to beef up how much content I put out. So With that being said, I would love to hear what you want to hear about. So again, submit your questions, DM me at Chelsea Rife, and I am going to start putting a lot more uh, eggs in the podcast basket. Now, before we dive into the year in review, I just want to remind you that I'm doing a challenge with Open, the app that I'm obsessed with. That's the mindfulness app. It starts on January 1st. And what we're doing is 30 days of presence, 31, sorry, there's 31 days in January. (laughs) So we're doing 31 days of presence. And basically all you're doing is downloading the app. You can actually do a free trial for the entire time because I have a free trial link in my show notes and you're just committing to a daily practice. Now, to be clear, some of the daily practices on there are three minutes. Okay. So I'm talking about the minimum commitment is three minutes a day. There's some that are 10 minutes. There's some that are 20, 30, 40. And when I say practice, you can choose from breath work, meditation, Pilates, yoga, hit. You can do live classes. You can do on demand. And if you're in Venice, California, you can even do an in-studio session. So all I'm asking you to do is commit to the bare minimum. I'm all about baby steps. Like I am James Clear's biggest fan with Atomic Habits. Let's move slow and steady and just commit to something really small each day. If you listen to my podcast last week, I shared a really, I think, good tip on how to actually keep yourself consistent is making it really obvious and tracking things. So I have a whiteboard right next to my bed where I've been tracking my workouts and it's helped me so much stay on it because I can see the days that I don't work out. I hate not crossing the day off. So I would recommend doing this for the open challenge. And what's cool too, is the app will actually track it too. So it will show you your streak. And then again, you can filter out what you want to do. So do you want to do 10 minutes? Do you want to do a Pilates session? Do you want to work through anger or anxiety or peace? It's so incredible how you can filter things down. So we're starting on January 1st and I'm excited about it. I feel like I'm developing some really good habits and this one will to me be kind of easy because I'm making it easy. Like I'm purposely going to be picking really short classes because it doesn't matter the duration, it's just getting the practice done. So if you want to do this with me, head to the link in my show notes. We start January 1st and I am so excited to develop some awesome habits with you in 2022. All right. So, let's dive into the year in real personal edition. I also said review really weird. You guys have probably heard I don't enunciate that well, and I don't really care. I like keep going. And I I think I need to work on that. I would love to take voice lessons. But anyways, without further ado, point number one is that therapy is really up and down and finding a good therapist is hard. The days that you don't want to go are usually when you should. And sometimes it can feel frustrating. So I know personally Back in the day when I heard of therapy, I was like, yeah, never going to catch me in therapy. I have my shit together. I can call my mom. Who cares? And then when I went through a crazy time in 2017, I was coming out of a breakup that was pretty toxic. I had got myself in some morally bankrupt situations. And just to be clear, I, I don't like leaving things vague. So I'm going to be transparent. I'm not proud of this part of myself. I started texting someone that was in a relationship and I definitely knew they were in a relationship and just had such low self-esteem that I was getting involved with this person. And I knew that wasn't my character. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like, I don't understand why I'm doing this. So I started going to therapy. That was the kind of a gateway into self-development was the th- the therapist recommending resources and reframing and understanding the power of my thoughts. And I went weekly for a year and I changed so much in that year. I grew up, I matured, I I developed a lot more empathy. And I was like, why doesn't everybody go to therapy? I don't get it. And I realized there was this huge stigma around it. Like you have to be severely depressed or, you know, very much suffering from anxiety or crazy or off your rock or, you know, all these crazy terms that people use. And so people don't go or they think, what do you mean? I'm fine. Like whatever. I get a little bit stressed out at work or, yeah, of course I want to work on these things, but I don't need to go to a therapist. And what I would say to that is a therapist is someone that is there not only to First of all, they're trained in what they do, right? They studied what the subject is. So if you're going to someone for anxiety or depression, they know what they're talking about. They studied this. The second thing about it is it's just sometimes a place to vent and process. So maybe not every session you need to have a full-on breakthrough that is going to transform your life. Maybe you just need to bitch about something for 60 minutes and get it off your chest. Or you just want to process something and you need someone to brain dump on That is what a therapist is paid to do is literally to sit there and like, listen to you. So for me, I also realized like down the line, there were periods where I would get out of therapy and my mom gives great advice. She actually really, I feel like could have been a therapist. And so I would be like, well, I'm just going to talk to my mom about it. But there were times in my life where I'm like, I don't really want my mom knowing this about me. I don't want to open up about this or I felt kind of bad. I was like, all my siblings and I are brain dumping on my mom, my dad, like she's dealing with all her other issues and friends and she has her own things going on. And here I am coming with all this boy drama or breakups or this and that. And I know as a mom, she's going to listen and be like, Chelsea, you can come to me whenever you want. But the thing is, there are things in therapy that I want to work on that I know my mom can't help me with. So things like anxious attachment and low self-esteem when it comes to dating or understanding, you know, why some of these patterns keep popping up when it comes to romantic relationships. Those are things that my mom and best friends are not trained in. And the other thing that I want to add here is like, your best friends and mom usually want to hype you up. You know what I mean? A lot of times they don't give you the straight truth. Maybe some of yours do. Um, I don't feel like people I hang out with that often are giving me the straight truth. Because it's hard to do that, right? If my friends come to me, I'm not going to be like, oh, I actually think you're like, Really in the wrong there. I might. I. I mean, clearly, I need to work on that and be more um, upfront and direct. I wouldn't just straight up tell my friend like a, a very blunt statement while they're in need of, you know, being validated or heard. Where a therapist might actually do that. Like my therapist has told me, oh, like I think you're getting a little bit greedy, or like, hmm, seems like you're making things up. And I'm like, oh shit, like she's calling me out on my bullshit, which is what I need. So. This is all to say, going back to the original point of it's up and down, I don't like hearing that stuff sometimes. You know what I mean? Um I don't like hearing someone tell me that I'm greedy or that I could work on something. Like my ego gets a little bruised. I also think it's hard to find a good one at first. I remember the very first one I matched with on the app that I always talk about, BetterHelp, did not vibe with at all. Like she was talking about something from a very religious standpoint and was referencing the Bible and I'm like uh, that's not for me. So I need to switch therapists. Immediately switched, ended up loving the next one. I think I worked with her for like three or four months. And then I was just feeling a disconnect. And I felt like she wasn't really listening. And she was just kind of asking me the same things or reaffirming the same things like, mm, yeah, that must be hard. Oh, Yeah, I can see how that could be difficult. And I wanted a little more action. I wanted someone to be like, yeah, it's hard. And now what am I going to do about it? Like, what are the steps to move forward? So I switched again. And then I found one who now I've been working with forever, probably for six plus months. And I realized it's because I not only get along with her, like she's my age, if not younger. So she understands like social media drama and all this bullshit that we have to deal with as millennials and Gen Z, et cetera. But I told her I like to make action plans. And so on the calls, we'll actually make action plans together where she'll be like, "Okay, I want you to write out things you're going to do in the next six months. I want you to write out your dream schedule and walk me through it. I want you to show me your travel plans because you keep talking about travel. So she's held me really accountable. But when I say sometimes it's up and down and the days I don't want to go, I don't want to go is like I go to her every week and sometimes nothing really happens in the week. And I'm like, why am I here? Like, what am I going to talk about? Another like nothing really happened. I'm just working at home. But those are the days that we end up having bigger breakthroughs because there's nothing to distract me. So instead of coming to her with some boy drama for the weekend or talking about the same thing about work, I can start getting to the deeper issues of like, yeah, let's like start to time travel back to my early 20s and teens and childhood. And like, where did these patterns really develop? And it's again, it's not fun. I'm not like, oh, yay! I can't wait to talk about my XYZ issue and bring it up. And it's scary. But once you move through it, it feels like such a weight lifted off your shoulders. And when you can pinpoint it and become self-aware of that issue, you can work on it. So it actually helps me validate a lot of things and be like, yeah, I'm not crazy. Like, no wonder these patterns developed because I got treated this way for 10 plus years. Or no wonder that that thing happened because this thing happened to me when I was 14 or whatever the case is. And so I'm getting like fired up talking about therapy, as you can see. I definitely want to have my therapist on. I don't know if it's legal or not. (laughs) I'm going to ask her. But I want to talk about therapy way more because it gets such a stigma and I feel like not only a stigma, but I feel like people get really frustrated when they can't find a good therapist off the bat. And I always say it's like dating. When you date someone after date one or two, you're not like, wow, I know everything about this person. I love them. I can't wait to open up to them. They're my life partner. You're usually like, I need to feel them out. I need to see how they react in certain situations. I need to see if they're a jealous person. I need to see what they're like when we go out to eat. Like you're evaluating them. Same thing with a therapist, you need to see like, how do they react when I tell them about this deep, dark secret? Or how, how do they make me feel when I open up to them? And are they a good listener? Do they give me resources? These are things that you have to evaluate in a therapist. And by the way, therapists are trained in different things. Not every therapist is like some generalized therapist. There are therapists that specialize with eating disorders. There are some that are specialized with anxiety and depression. There's some that are more like almost in a way life coaches that are here to help you move forward and like career focused. So be discerning when you're finding a therapist and don't get discouraged. I have heard all year people like didn't hit it off the bat with their therapist after the first or second session. And then they just throw in the towel and it breaks my heart because I'm like, it's almost the same thing as you were, if you were to say, I went on one or two dates and I just think I'm not going to ever find a life partner or get married. And I guess I'm just going to be single forever. Like, it's not true. You have to evaluate the therapist and see what you like and don't like and be upfront with them. I told my therapist, I like when we do worksheets on the call. When you give them to me as homework, I don't do them. I like when you check in with me on Fridays because it holds me accountable So be clear with your therapist about what you're looking for. And if you're on an app, you can probably write in the the notes section when you're evaluating what you want to work on and what you're requesting. So I think I also put like, I want someone that's a little more holistic. I don't want someone that's very religious. I want someone around my age that understands like social media drama, because let's be real, we all are on Instagram dealing with some bullshit. I need someone that understands that. That was a long explanation and a very long first point to make, but I am fired up about therapy and I really, really hope that you invest in a therapist in 2022 or have someone that you can go to, some type of mentor or coach or guide or someone that's like not your partner or, uh, you know, best friend or mom and someone that's trained in these subjects and issues that you want to work on because you'll make more progress. Okay, wrapping that one up. <laughs> Number two is rejection is redirection. Now, before you roll your eyes, like I used to do, because I feel like it's such a cheesy quote. This is something that I have repeatedly learned over and over again this year and had to reframe it. So the word itself rejection to me is such a like harsh term. It sounds I don't know why like rejected. Never in my life have I heard that be used in like a bright, fun, positive, light way. And I don't, I don't even like Saying like I got rejected, or yeah, I rejected this person. Like I don't know, it kind of carries a heavier negative connotation. So when people would tell me that, like, oh, rejection is redirection, whether it was a job opportunity or a boy or whatever the case was, I would just be like, okay, yeah, but it fucking hurts, and my ego's bruised, and I feel like shit, and I feel less than, and I don't feel worthy. And you know, hearing this rejections redirection, it just sounded like a band aid to cover up the issue. And the more and more I've gone through it this year, I've realized it truly is redirection. And I think what would help is reframing that word and giving it like literally just using a different word. So I've started to use closure is redirection or like rejection is acceptance. Rejection is closure. That helps me understand this phrase more. So I'm going to give you a specific example. Later this year after my breakup, I was like, you know, healing for a little bit. And I, to be honest, I still am. And I was like, I would like to start dating again because I really want to work on dating skills. Like it is a skill to date. I think that's something that's a whole other topic of conversation, but I just want to work on communication and being more direct in what I want and, you know, kind of developing relational skills. So I have been putting myself out there more. I've been asking people on dates. I have been saying, hey, I think you're cute. I think we should go on a date. And not everyone has said yes. Actually, most people have said no, or it's not the right timing, or they're not interested, or I got ghosted. And in the moment, it hurts. And I'm not going to lie about that. I'm a very sensitive person. My mom always calls me an Oreo because she's like, you look very tough on the outside, and you you handle a lot of situations really well, and you have thick skin. But on the inside, I am like so gooey and sensitive, and I really take a lot of things to heart. So, you know, when someone says I'm not interested in dating or they don't answer your text or whatever the case is, it hurts. And I'm not going to deny that it hurts. Like I've cried. I, I talked to my therapist about it. I pull my mom in the room and say, like, what's going on? Why is this happening? And it always comes back to this phrase. Rejection is redirection. So when a guy says, no, I'm not interested in dating. Well, thank you. Now I didn't just waste six months of my life talking to this person. Imagine if someone didn't tell me that. And then I'm sitting there wondering every weekend. Oh, I wonder what they think of me. I wonder if we're interested. I wonder what we would be like together. I wonder that would send me in a mental spiral where by just asking and getting the no. Now I have closure. I don't need to go down this path of what if and when and how it's just like, great, it's done. I can move on to the next thing. So really, you should take rejection as like almost a thank you. And again, I know saying that out loud now, like I'm even kind of internally rolling my eyes at myself because it sounds like uh, so what's the word I'm looking for? It sounds like I'm minimizing how rejection feels. And trust me, I'm not like someone ghosted me the other day. And I was like crying all day. (laughs) So I am not minimizing rejection at all. But what I'm saying is, after that after I got the fuck over it and talked to my therapist. And my mom and my sister and texted all my friends about it. I was like, well, thank God I didn't waste any more time on this person. By them ghosting me, why would I want to be with someone that doesn't want to be with me? Why would I put any effort or energy into someone that won't even go on a first date with me? Like, that is such a waste of my time. And by doing that, if we want to look at this from like a spiritual and like universal lens, to me, it's almost like whatever you want to call it, God, source, universe is like, I purposely had that person say no to you or that thing didn't work out because I have something so much better around the corner. Like if I would have ended up going on a date with this person that didn't really want to go on a date with me and then I was just making up all these excuses to make it work. I could be blinded to the fact that there's an amazing person that maybe lives next door to me or maybe works down the street or whatever the case is that is a better match, but I'm getting too caught up in the person that I'm trying to make things work with. It's like, no, the rejection is actually a very clear answer. It's clear, it's direct, it makes me understand this isn't going to work out because there's something else and something better to look forward to. So, again, I know in the moment it's hard. You should cry, you should go to a therapist, you should vent, you should not feel bad about feeling hurt about something, but don't blame yourself is what I mean. And don't try to try to think like there's something wrong with me and this didn't work out. And you could use this in under the lens of like a job opportunity as well. Right? So if you didn't get a job, like I know plenty of people who haven't gotten jobs and then they got an even better job that was double the pay, better work-life balance, better bosses. And they're like, Oh my God, looking back, you know, 2020 is hindsight. I'm actually glad that that job rejected me because I I have a friend there now who hates it and I'm loving my job. So I want you to think of this from any perspective with boys or girls or friends or job opportunities. It's like, thank you for giving me this clear answer so I can move forward and find something that's better, a better match, better compatibility, a better energy. That's how I think of it now. It's like, great, we can close the door on that and move forward. Number three, Develop failure tolerance. So failure tolerance is something I learned about earlier this year in a membership I'm in called the North Node by Holisticism. I'm obsessed with them. I'm trying to get them to give me like an affiliate link because I want everybody to join their membership. But they did this whole thing called a failure tolerance challenge. And I was like, what the hell is failure tolerance? Like, it kind of sounds clear, right? Like you're developing a tolerance for failure. But Michelle Pelazon, who is the founder of Holisticism, did a podcast about this. And it was she explained it. It's like failure tolerance is actually putting yourself in situations where you're really not good at it at all and you are pretty positive you'll fail but you're doing that to develop the tolerance for it so a lot of times as humans we don't put ourselves in those positions we might put ourselves in positions where we're like okay i'm not an expert at this or i'm not the best at this ever but like i think i could get it done for example um a hard workout class like barry's Bootcamp or orange theory i do not like going to them I am not great at cardio. I'm not a great sprinter. I don't like doing quick workouts like that where you're like running from station to station and the lights are blaring and you know the person's like yelling at you like an army sergeant. I used to do those classes and I just did not like them. But me going to one is actually not putting myself in a position to fail because A, I've done it before. B, I know I have the capacity to at least get through it. And C, I know that I wouldn't like completely embarrass myself. You know what I mean? Like I've done it before. Yeah, I'm not the best runner or sprinter or anything, but I could get it done. So I'm not really putting myself in a position to fail where I would put myself in a position to fail is like songwriting or singing, right? If someone was like, hey, I want you to come sing at the um, local pub tonight. Never in my life have I sang I guess that's a lie. I was in chorus for like one year when I was in sixth grade, (laughs) but like, you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't understand the tones. I don't understand even the, the language of music or even writing music or reading music. If someone's like, hey, I want you to come down and play the guitar. I would be like, what are you talking about? I've literally never played an instrument. I don't know how to read music. So putting myself in a position of fail would probably be be like going to a music school and understanding on day one, I'm really going to embarrass myself. But the point is that I would build the tolerance to work through that and then be able, hopefully by the end of music school, to either read music or write a song or play guitar. So this is really important because if you're not only an entrepreneur or a business owner, but like a person that wants to deal with like the ups and downs of life, understanding how to deal with failure is so important. I often believe a lot of my optimism comes from how many failed situations I've had. And I guess I've never learned to put it in the context of failure tolerance. But like there's been a lot of situations in my life where I have have crashed and burned or completely embarrassed myself. And I'm like, okay, well, it can't get worse than that. I'm just going to keep going. And I feel like that's really helped with a lot of things I put myself... I think that's why I take a lot of risks because I'm like, I don't care. I don't care if someone thinks it's crazy that I'm moving to Australia and quitting my six-figure job, even though I could make a shit ton of money. I don't care that people thought, you know, I was dating someone eight years younger than me six months ago. We were, I was in a relationship with someone eight years younger than me. And I didn't care because I was like, I, I don't, it doesn't matter to me but i think i had to develop this tolerance for failure and really like get over the fear of embarrassment to take a lot of these risks essentially failure tolerance is like the the more you fail and the quicker you fail the quicker you can learn and get back up and this is why when i work with people on mindset or energy or anything I always tell them I'm like the point of life in my opinion is not to be happy and joyful 24/7. It's to learn how to ride the waves of life and still be optimistic. I love the word optimism more than I love the word happiness because it's to me it's a more true meaning of life. When I can be optimistic, I know that everything is temporary, nothing lasts forever. The, you know, the heartbreak I went through this year, I know this is not going to last forever. Even though I still deal with waves of it, I know this is not going to last forever. Even though I had shitty months in business where I was like, what the hell just happened? I, how am I even going to pay rent? I can't believe it. I don't know how to create a schedule. I know I'm not going to be like that forever. So developing a failure tolerance, I think, equally helps you develop optimism, which is a really important trait and I feel like skill to develop in life because life... Uh, I don't know who sold us this dream that life is like easy breezy beautiful. You will always deal with death. You will always deal with sickness. You will always deal with heartbreak. You will always deal with rejection. Like that stuff isn't just gonna go away because you learned how to journal or meditate or do yoga. You have to learn to deal with failure and embarrassment and the things that don't go as planned because that's life. Yeah, developing a failure tolerance has been a huge, huge learning lesson, which I feel like does tie to number two of like rejection is redirection. I have had to face a lot of failure with dating and breakups and things not going my way or how I thought they would go. And I'm hoping that it will pay off, but I think it will. You know, I was talking to my sister about this and I'm like, yeah, it sucks that, you know, a lot of the dating things that in my mind I feel like are going to work out aren't working out. But it, I've also learned so much about myself in the process and done so much work on myself, especially learning from all these failures. And again, they're not really failures. They're just kind of endings that I know I'm not going to end up with some shitty guy. You know what I mean? Like I've done too much work on myself and experienced too many things to just throw in the towel and be like, Oh, whatever, I'll just date this like toxic, narcissistic, egotistical, shitty loser guy. Like that's, It's almost out of the realm of possibility now because of how much failure I've had around it. So it's like my barometer and has actually gone up because it's like, I'm not going to deal with that anymore. And so I know I can, I learned from all those experiences and now I can say, I'm not going to put up with X, Y, Z, and I know I will end up with a great person, but I have gone through a lot of failure to get there. Number four is stop underestimating the basics and trying to quantum leap. I've done a whole episode on this. I did a whole, the title was literally stop trying to quantum leap. And I know that's attractive. I know that's a sexy word. I know all of us want the instant gratification. We want the million dollars in six months. We want to be booked out. We want to pay off debt. We want the soulmate. We want the big house, whatever you want to do everything all at once. And we want it all now. And I feel like the issue with quantum leaping is it doesn't set you up for sustainability or understanding how to regulate your nervous system. When I say stop underestimating the basics, I'm talking to myself when I'm saying all these, by the way, too. I used to join high ticket group coaching programs and, um, you know, really like what I thought would be transformative Zoom calls where I'm like, okay, I signed up for a money, you know, money mindset course, expecting the coach or the one 90 minute call to all of a sudden solve all my problems. Like all of a sudden I would be financially literate and tracking my finances and investing in a 401k and investing in companies and paying off my debt after like one or two calls. And then after, you know, two calls, my life wasn't changed and I would stop going to them and I wouldn't watch the replays and You know, they would even say, hey, the trick is literally to manage your money. Go to the financial worksheet that's in the course portal and pull it up and do it. And I was like, "Mm, no, it's too much work. You know, I'm waiting for the message to click. I'm waiting for my life to be aligned. I'm waiting for something to be channeled to me. And then this will all just like click into place. Not true. That is not true. One Zoom call is not going to radically change your life. One mentor, you know, doing a one 90 minute call. Yes, it could change the trajectory of where you're going. But A, that's a lot of pressure to put on someone. But B, thinking that you're going to quantum leap after like one call where you've never practiced something, you've never done it, you've never implemented it is very unrealistic. And I'll use myself in my life as an example, as I have with all these. But what what's really coming up for me with this one is like financial literacy. Again, I was joining all these money memberships and masterclasses and workshops being like, what what message is going to stick where I'm really going to get my shit together. And I was just kind of waiting on these people to deliver some message that would hit me that I would be like, (gasps) and like lightning, I would just start tracking my finances, pay off my debt, build a savings. And what I learned was Okay, the basics here are, let's start with just checking your bank account every day. Let's start creating a spreadsheet to track your finances. Let's actually invest in accounting software. Let's actually understand what your expenses are each month. That took some time. I didn't do that all in one day. I actually had to have someone kind of call me out and be like, I've asked you to create a financial spreadsheet like six different times and you haven't. And I was like, yeah, clearly I'm avoiding it because I'm thinking that this lightning bolt of uh, energy is going to hit me and I'm just going to do it one day. And it's like, no, I had to sit down. It wasn't fun. I had to sit down, open my bank account, download the statements, start plugging things in the spreadsheet. And I was like, Okay, I understand why I've been avoiding this because I am clearly dealing with some shame and guilt around my finances. I don't like how much credit card debt I am in. I don't like how much I'm spending every month on food. I don't like how much I, you know, don't stay within a budget. And that's why I wasn't tracking my finances. And that's the pressure I was putting on coaches to, you know, change my life with one Zoom call. It's like, no, you need to go do the work and start with the basics of creating a Google spreadsheet and tracking your finances. Once I started doing that and consistently doing it, it made me realize like these are the baby steps I need to get in place to start being wealthy. So I started tracking my finances and making a clear budget. And eventually I now have a really solid savings account for my taxes. So when I have to file my taxes in just a few weeks, I can pay them off in cash, which is crazy because guys, if if you knew me even a year or two ago, I did not save at all I would just impulsively buy anything. I was just like, buy now, figure it out later. That was my life motto. The fact that I have enough money in my tax savings account to pay in cash blows my mind. But it's because in the very beginning of the year, I didn't want to do it, but I had to take the baby steps to get these things in place. And I stopped trying to quantum leap. I was like, I'm not going to go from someone who barely understands their monthly expenses to being a fucking investor of you know companies and you know the most baller investment portfolio in the world with 100k in savings like what that's not going to happen if i can't even open my bank account so stop underestimating the basics the basics are what set up the quantum leap i feel like that might be the quote of the episode and i want you to think about this anybody that has a solid savings account started by transferring a small amount of money or started by taking X amount per each paycheck and putting it there. You don't just get whatever the savings you're trying to build deposited directly into your bank account and then transfer it over. Like solid savings accounts are built dollar by dollar. You know, good habits are built daily. And This is really where the book Atomic Habits plays an incredible role in explaining this is what he says in the book, the the word atomic is because they're so small, they seem like a joke, but then they're the things that pay off. He wrote this quote that I love. It's like bamboo builds an extensive root system for five years underground. You don't even see bamboo for five years. And then all of a sudden it explodes within six weeks to be 90 feet. And I feel like that's a perfect example of why what I just said, the baby steps set up the quantum leap. Once you get that foundation set and you do it slowly and in a way that regulates your nervous system, that's when the skyrocket happens. I love that quote. That's like overnight successes are usually like five plus years in the making because it's true. You only see people's success after they've built it for years and put so many hours and, and so much time into it. And we look at some people like I've heard all the podcasts, I know the influencers out there that did have the overnight success that, you know, had a few failed enrollments, but then all of a sudden on their third enrollment, they were making six figures, like, I've heard all those stories, but those are the exception to the rule. And I feel like a lot of us are trying to be that and skip the steps and skip the basics and just jump to being millionaires, jump to being someone that manages a team, jump to having 100 clients. And it's like, are you even ready for that? Do you even know how to manage 100 clients? Do you know how to manage a million dollars? Do you know what you would even do with a million dollars? Like, let's start with the basics. Why don't you learn how to sustain $500 a month? Why don't you learn how to sustain $1,000 a month? Why don't you learn how to work with 10 clients before you work with 100? So start with the basics. This is for anything, by the way. I'm doing this right now with exercise. This, is, which is why I want to do the open app challenge with you guys because it's so easy. You can commit to like three minutes a day and you're completing the challenge. But stop underestimating the little stuff that adds up and understand that eventually you will quantum leap when you develop that foundation. Okay, that was a lot of rambling, but let's move to number five. It's okay to block people while you heal and to be direct with them about it. So I'm definitely referencing my breakup here. My ex and I we ended fine we, it was a very mutual breakup it was clear it wasn't working we were on different life stages i did not like germany i didn't want to learn the language but the point is it was very mutual and so because it was very mutual and because we lived together we had to sort out a lot of stuff when i left the apartment you know like i i also had just gotten my permit and we had to untangle a lot of that legal stuff. And so while we were doing that, obviously, I couldn't just stop talking to him, like we needed to be talking to work some things out. When I left Germany, officially, I didn't do anything with social media, like I kept following him, I kept following the roommates, I kept following the friends. And I would see people's stories. And then I would see people in the apartment that we shared. And then I would see people on the weekends, and I would see him in the background. And eventually I was like, Okay, I need to block him because I don't want to see any of this. But the issue was, I still I I lived in Germany with these people, right? I had the roommates. I met all his friends. So seeing all their stories and then being like, oh, I wonder if he's in the back. I wonder if he's dating someone new. I wonder what's going on. I wonder what they're up to. Not great for healing, right? In no other world than millennial world would we be able to keep up with our exes at all times. And it's thanks to Instagram and Instagram stories and people sharing 24 seven. Can we do that? That was not a thing like 40 years ago, right? You would break up and maybe run into someone at the movies or the grocery store. And it's like, oh, hey, what's up? And then you move on with your life. The fact that I have access to see someone that I was in an intimate relationship with 24 seven any day of the week is not conducive to healing or moving forward. So eventually I blocked him and I was really close with the roommates and I didn't block them because I was like, it's going to look like I'm being bitchy or they're going to think I hate them or it's going to look like I care too much. Right. Oh, my God. How many of us have done that where we're like, I don't want to look like I care too much. Like, I just don't want to look like I'm weak or whatever. I'm like, it's actually so funny because, you know, what's weak is stalking their stories and putting yourself in a position to always be hurt every day that's not moving forward. That's not being strong. I actually think it's stronger to take the initiative to protect your energy and your peace by blocking people. And this took me a while, by the way, like I remember my therapist gave me this advice. I had friends being like, why don't you just block him and his friends? And I was like, that's so weird. Like his friends are going to think I hate them and I don't, and it's going to cause drama. I was making up so many stories and eventually I just texted them. I texted the roommates and I said, Hey guys, I, I, I really enjoyed our time together in Germany. Like I had so much fun with you. I would love to, you know, if I ever run into you, see you and grab a drink. Like, you know, I really enjoyed our time together, but I'm trying to move on. And it's really hard when I see your stories and you're with him. And I it's just too hard to watch, even though, by the way, nothing's happening. Like they're just going out to cafes or they're out on the weekends or they're like walking around in nature. I didn't want to be shocked if all of a sudden I saw something that I wasn't ready to see. So I texted them that. And it was scary to send. I wrote a draft up in my notes. I reread it 100,000 times. And then I sent it. And I was so scared that they were going to be like, what the fuck? Like, we didn't even do anything to you. Like, da da da. You know what they said? Both of them were like, totally understand. Do whatever you need to do for your mental health. We're here to support you. Totally get it. Do what you need to do. That makes total sense. I was like, okay, wow. That is not how I thought it was going to go at all. And I I felt so great about it. I was like, wow, I can block them and understand the word block again is so harsh. But for me, it's just setting a boundary of like, I don't need to be seeing this right now. I'm grieving. I need to move forward. And with my ex, I didn't feel the need to explain that. I think he understands, you know, I don't want to keep up with his life while I'm trying to move forward. And it's okay to do that. It's not going to look weak. It doesn't matter. Right? Right we always think, oh my God, it's going to look so weak. Well, why would it matter? Do you plan on ever speaking to this person again or these people and like checking in on like, what did you guys think of me blocking you? (laughs) That would never happen, right? Like, hey, I just want to interview you for a second. I blocked you guys. I would love to know your thoughts. What do you think? No, that's not a thing. So be okay with blocking people. I'm using the context of my relationship to explain this. But maybe it's a coworker that has really bad energy, or maybe it's someone in your life that you're just like, oh my God, I like every time I look at their stories, it triggers me or I'm not, I always get annoyed or whatever the case is, hit them with the block. And if you need to explain yourself, like, you know, if there's a direct working relationship with them, or, you know, you're going to bump into them or something, I think it's okay to send a message of like, this is not personal. I don't hate you or anything. I'm just trying to set some boundaries with myself and protect my mental health. And this is what I had to do. And people are more understanding than you think. Number six, vulnerability relieves you. This one is one I've definitely experienced with the podcast. I feel like I'm very vulnerable on here. And I feel like I can do that because A, I'm alone when I record. So I'm not speaking to an audience, you know, that's live in front of me. But it helps me process a lot. And it does relieve me. Like even just telling you that point, the last one about blocking my ex and all his friends and the roommates, That's kind of vulnerable, right? Like I don't really want to be explaining that or talking about that because of course you think, well, do people think I'm like not over him? Do people think I'm still in love with him? People are going to think that I want to be with him. And that's not the case. I just don't want to be directly tied to someone that I was just involved with while I'm trying to move forward. And so even by admitting that and getting to point number six, like I feel relieved that I shared that and it feels like a weight lifted off my shoulders because I don't feel like I need to be someone that I'm not. I'm not trying to look like some, you know, cool chill girl that doesn't give a fuck about her ex. It's like, no, I I did care deeply about my ex. I I still care about him in a in a different way now, but I'm not trying to be someone I'm not. And I feel like when you're vulnerable, it gives people insight into like your true character. I always think of the podcast I listened to where someone really opened up and they're like yeah, this thing happened and it fucking sucked and I'm either not proud of it or it hurt me so bad or it felt like shit. And it's like, no one wants to admit that, right? Because as humans, we love to be regarded as in a higher light. We love to look successful and wealthy and hot and attractive and smart and funny and kind. So whenever we admit something that's not one of those things, it can feel like, oh, people are gonna use this against me. I'm gonna lose friends. I'm gonna lose my partner. I'm gonna lose followers. I'm gonna lose my coworkers. And I actually think when you're more vulnerable, it creates even more connection, and it again, it feels relieving. I feel like the more vulnerable I am on this podcast, the more I connect with you all, the more relieved I feel, the more I process. And by the way, this sounds weird, but I do feel like I get more confident. Because again, I feel like I'm not trying to be someone I'm not, I'm not on here trying to like hide what happened in my business or hide what happened with my breakup or hide whatever that I got rejected on a date. And I think that helps me process things because it shows you a I'm human, B I'm imperfect. C I still have shit that I'm working through and it feels relieving to know. I already know I'm probably going to get message after, after this podcast where people will say, Oh my God, I related to that so much. I know that that will help someone. And so that's why I do it, because I feel like it relieves me and it helps other people. If I were here trying to sugarcoat everything, being like, oh, yeah, dating's okay," And like, yeah, totally moved on from my breakup, back in the game, loving life. Yeah, a few things went wrong with business, but like, who cares? Onward and upward. That's not being real at all. Like this year was actually the hardest year I've had probably in my adult life. I lost a family member two weeks ago. I've gone through a really hard breakup. I traveled while I was still trying to run a business. I, By the way, running a business in and of itself is a whole fucking other slew of emotions. I've had clients that wanted to cancel their contracts or refund. I've had issues where I wanted to cancel contracts or refunds. I've now I'm living at home right now with my parents. It's a whole different dynamic. There are so many things that have not gone my way this year or that I'm not thrilled with how they ended or uh, that I'm proud of or, you know, look at with beautiful, a big smile like it's not like that. I'm Some things really just suck. And I feel like by admitting that I feel a sense of relief. I'm like, whew, yeah, I don't have to fake that I had the best year of my life or fake that this year was all roses and butterflies when it wasn't. And it makes me feel more me. It makes me feel more human. It makes me feel more connected to you all. And so I would encourage you to be more vulnerable. And I don't even mean on Instagram. I just mean in your life, like being straight up honest with people. This has helped me a lot too with dating, like instead of trying to play it cool and like, oh, I don't give a fuck. And I'm just going to be the cool girl. It's like, No, I'm going to be vulnerable and be like, hey, I think you're cute. I think we should go on a date and putting myself out there to be rejected, which has happened. It it in a way, again, relieves me like, okay, I'm relieved now of not wasting a lot of mental or physical energy on this person anymore. I can move forward. And it's just helped me honestly get more in touch with myself. So, yeah, vulnerability is truly something to look into more in 2022, at least from my perspective, I feel like it's something that's why I want to do more solo episodes, I feel like I can be more vulnerable in them. And I feel like it helps you all it helps me process. And again, it just feels like a sense of relief. Number seven, just because something didn't work out doesn't make you less of XYZ. And I feel like a lot of these are kind of tying in with each other, right? Like this definitely relates to number two of rejection as redirection and number three of developing failure tolerance. But this one, I'll I'll put in terms of my breakup, when my breakup happened, I went through all the stages of grief of like bargaining and anger and you know, whatever, I don't remember all of them. I, I've dealt with so much this year, I like can barely remember half the things that happened. But I do remember going through all these different stages. And one of the stages was me starting to make the breakup mean something about me like, wow, we broke up because I didn't put a lot of effort into this. Or we broke up because I stopped caring about my appearance and I wasn't working out as much and I could have dressed up more. Or wow, I I didn't show, you know, more of my intellectual side. I wish I I would have read more books and looked more. This is like, seriously, the shit that was going through my head. or like, you know, I wish we would have had more conversations about the future and our plans. And so now he probably thinks I don't have goals, or he probably thinks I'm not ambitious, which is like so silly, because it's not true. This is why I always have to go back to evidence, like factual based evidence. None of that is objectively true. That's me making shit up in my head, to either try and make my ex look bad, or me feel validated in my self pity party, me trying to, you know, validate my low self-esteem when it comes to dating by making up all these scenarios. And that is not helpful at all. That hasn't helped me at all. That's something I still work on in therapy. There are definitely times that, you know, things still come up where I'm like, oh my God, because we broke up, it means that I'm not good enough. When in reality, that's not true. We broke up because we were no longer compatible and we no longer had the same goals or life experience. We were very much on different pages And that's why it didn't work out. And I always have to flip it to the alternative. Like, what was the alternative? Let's say we did try to stay together. I would have been already, I was already not happy in Germany, I would have continued to be more unhappy, I would have started to resent him, I would have started to resent the situation, I would have not made as many friends because I wasn't making a lot of friends there. And so I'm like, what does that have to do? That has nothing to do with me as a person that has to do with the situation at hand. We were dealt a certain amount of cards that we had to deal with, and I didn't like the hand that was dealt. And that's why we broke up. And I think a lot of us, especially women, if we didn't initiate the breakup, we take it really, really personal. Like, wow, I was just dumped or, you know, he dumped me or this thing happened. And that's how I felt even though, again, this was very mutual. And I had a lot of alternate ideas for how I wanted things to go. Like I wanted to maybe live in another city or live in another apartment and give it a shot that way. And he was like, I just don't even think that would help. Like, you know, I just think we're on different pages. In that moment, I felt like 100% I agree, like this actually isn't going to work out long term. But when we broke up, and I was processing it, I kept making it about me. Like, oh my God, he he dumped me because I didn't speak up for myself or he dumped me because of this. And it's like, he didn't dump me. He had a conversation that I already wanted to have We had a mutual agreement that this was not the best for both of us. We both were not going to work this out. And if you think about it, I don't think that about him. I don't think he's all of a sudden some asshole, some loser, some, you know, dumb guy. It's like, no, actually, it's just a person that I no longer am romantically or intimately involved with because it wasn't going to work out. And so I have to remember the same thing about myself, just because it didn't work out. It doesn't make me less of anything. I'm still a smart person. I'm still kind. I'm still generous. I'm still all the things that he loved about me when we were together. It's just from a compatibility standpoint and our life experience and stage, we weren't on the same page anymore. And it's like, that's life. This goes back to failure tolerance. Like that's the, that's the weird part of life is like, Things don't work out, and sometimes it actually is for the best. In the moment, it doesn't feel like the best thing ever, but again, if I am looking back, I am like, if we would have stayed together, I would have been miserable in Germany. I didn't like where we lived, didn't like the language, didn't want to learn the language, had a really hard time making friends, was dealing with the lockdown, hated the weather. So it's like, yeah, he could see that, and he's he even said, I can tell you are really unhappy here. So when I frame it as like, wow, we actually ended because we were holding each other back, and we have so much more to offer to another partner, or like to the world, and we gave it a shot, I can accept that. And that feels a lot better than being like, wow, it didn't work out because I stopped doing XYZ, or I could have done more. I should have said this. It's like, no, it, it just didn't work out because it, some things don't work out. That's the weird thing about dating. Anytime you date someone, the end result is either you're going to end up getting married, or you're going to end up breaking up. And so that's the reality is like, we weren't going to get married. So we had to break up. So I know it's turned a little bit like dark, but I just want to make sure that if you went through a breakup this year or, you know, you were not the one that initiated the breakup or even something else work, like maybe you got to a final interview and you're like, wow, I think this is in the bag. And then they're like, actually want we another candidate. Don't start being like, oh, wow, I could have done one more certification or I should have gone to a better school or I should have done more studying or whatever the case is. It's like maybe they had a different connection. Maybe the person just was like had one more skill that you didn't have and it's something you can work on. It's not something that you need to go beat yourself up over. It's like, okay, your skill set is going to work somewhere else. Just like in partnerships, your qualities are going to work better with someone else. And by the way, I, I sound like I've like really figured this all out, but I want you to know this is something I actively work on in therapy all the time. And I ask my therapist to like send me worksheets and books and things because I still get in a spiral where I like blame things about myself and wish I would have done more or said more or did less or said, you know, whatever. And it's like, that's, it's just, no matter what way you spin it, in my breakup, it wasn't going to work out. And that's something that I don't need to make. It means something about me. Okay. Wow. I feel like that one uh, was all over the place, but we're going to move to number eight, which is a very basic one. And I feel like moms around the world are going to be like, yeah, duh. Is that cleaning clears mental clutter? Okay. I know it sounds so obvious, but I used to be a really messy person in my early twenties I lived in a sorority house and then after that I lived in a house with a few girls and then I lived alone for six years in Chicago and then then I backpacked and then I lived in hostels and I never like I was never gross messy it was just kind of like clothes on the ground and like didn't really make my bed and like whatever would just throw shit on a chair and then eventually I started getting a lot cleaner towards you know later in my 20s and I was living alone and I hated coming home to a super messy house. So I got in the habit of, you know, tidying up. But this year I noticed when I would wake up and just clean and really like set the tone for the day, like make my bed, organize the side, uh, what the hell is it called? Bedside table, um, you know, clean up the kitchen, put the dishes away, even like wiping down the counters and just making everything look good and smell nice and be clean. I would be so clear headed for work which was interesting because I was like, obviously this has nothing to do with work, right? Like putting the dishes away has nothing to do with me coaching someone, but in a way it kind of did. It was like, now that's not on my mind. I don't need to worry about this mess that's in the room. I don't need to walk into a gross room where shit is all over the place. And I feel like even now I'm looking at uh, my, my room in front of me and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to tidy up. No wonder I felt so scatterbrained all day. And I feel very tired lately. It's because we're packing for this Europe trip by the way, I'm getting ahead of this. So, by the time you hear this, I'll be in Europe, but I'm recording a week ahead. But we're packing for this Euro trip. So, shit's all over the place. And I'm like, no wonder I've been taking naps all day and like so tired because literally the room is cluttered and my mind is cluttered. And so, my brain is trying to solve a million problems. It's like clear inbox, clean the floor, do the dishes, clean the counter, do the laundry. It's like too many things. Or if I just made it a point to tidy up every night and clean, I know I would feel mentally better. So clear clutter in your space. And I want to know how it feels mentally to do that and see if you just feel a bit of an energy change. Maybe you found something that you thought you lost. Maybe you just like feel a shift in the air and you're like, wow, I am someone who keeps a beautiful, clean, tidy room or a space because I do feel like your space, especially now when we work from home it is really sacred, right? Especially if you're like an entrepreneur and you work from home, even if you're not an entrepreneur, if you're an employee, it makes a difference when your space is clean and clear and vibrant and, and happy and light. It it feeds your energy. And it like, obviously, this makes sense. That's why the Marie Kondo show blew up. And that's why we love watching that other show, totally blanking on the name. Oh, the home edit, right? It's like we see how much people light up when their space is organized. So I know this is a weird tip, but maybe you don't need to go running or meditate today. Maybe you just need to clean your room or clean your kitchen or clean your bathroom and maybe you'll feel a bit better. I know for me, that was definitely a trick that worked. I, sometimes I don't want to journal. Sometimes I don't want to write a hundred affirmations. It really is just simply tidying the room and I feel a lot better. Number nine is to be childlike and playful and an idiot. And this one I really felt like started to pop up at the end of the year, especially after my breakup, I, during my, my relationship, we were in a lockdown. Okay. We were in a lockdown in Germany. I lived with German roommates. I didn't have many friends. I had basically one or two friends there. Um, a lot of people weren't my age. We lived in a small, tiny German village basically. And I just poured myself into my work. So I was like, you know what, this is the time where I'm really going to put all my eggs in the work basket. Which is why I ended up launching like a billion programs and probably why I could commit to a weekly podcast because I wasn't doing anything else. I was literally just working all the time. And so when the breakup happened and I started traveling, I was like, whoa, you have all this freedom to do what you want. You don't have to take care of someone else. You don't have to, you know, be cognizant of like all the roommates in your house. You don't have to pour yourself into your work all the time, you know. this is the weirdest part about being single again is like you kind of forget that you love to do all these things without your partner because you become such a unit with them that when you break up you're like wait I, I like actually had a lot of interest that I kind of just stopped doing and now I want to get back into it so for me that was dancing that was cooking that was creating art and it was so freeing to go to dance classes in London and like shake my ass, do a hip hop dance class, do whatever I wanted and not feel like, oh, my God, you know, this wouldn't have happened if my ex. He actually like, really supported all my hobbies. But there was this fear of like, OK, if I'm doing a chair dance class, do I really want my ex's like mom or sister to be seeing this? If I, you know, start posting about certain things or like even on the, on the podcast, like talking about certain topics that maybe I wouldn't have talked about before it, it just started to feel like, oh my God, I can be childlike and playful again and be a fucking idiot and have fun. It was, it was such a big learning lesson. And like what I mean too, by being an idiot, kind of goes back again to failure tolerance and rejection and all this stuff is like, put yourself in positions to look dumb and look silly because usually that's what we want to do anyway. Right. And I know you're like, wait, what are you talking about? Chelsea? Think about little kids how they're just walking along the street and they'll like start screaming with enthusiasm over a candy store, or all of a sudden they'll start dancing or they'll start, you know, in the car shaking and dancing because they like love the song. Most of us want to do that. I have been listening to a song on the sidewalk and be like, God, I would like love to break out and dance right now or just sing the lyrics out loud, but I'm at this stop and I don't want to look crazy with everybody walking around me. And so we don't do it. But imagine how fun it would be. It reminds me of like La La Land when everybody was singing in the streets. Imagine how cool it would be if we were all like that. If you would just walk along the street with your headphones and be like, oh my God, I'm just going to sing along. Or yeah, I am going to like tap my toes or like move my hips while I'm listening to this song. And it's not even in public. It's like childlike stuff you can do in your room. I've seen so many people take up like morning dance parties within their rooms. It's the coolest thing because I've been there and done that. And it is the biggest game changer to wake up and put on a good song and genuinely be an idiot, like no choreography, no one to share with no one to impress. It's just like, I'm going to literally dance like a little kid and just let my energy move around. It's such a mood booster. So go be childlike, go be playful, go make yourself look like an idiot. And go do things that you would have done as a child. I ask a lot of my clients this because my clients get so focused on monetary wins and success and followers and X, Y, Z. I'm like, what did you like to do as a kid? And it's always kid-like things that we don't really do as adults. We kind of just stop doing them. Like, oh, I swam or I gardened, or I would always help my mom in the kitchen and I would cut up the veggies and we would cook together. I'm like, go do that. Go do that this weekend. Go take a cooking class, go take a cupcake baking class and have fun with the frosting and eat it and put it on your partner's nose. Or if you're not with a partner, eat it yourself go swim, go into the ocean and jump around, go be silly, go get dirty in the garden and make a fucking mess. I feel like I talked about this a little bit on my Instagram in Germany. But when I started, I got a juicer and I would cut up all the juice, or excuse me, the veggies and fruit for the juice. And it would make a mess in the kitchen, like carrots flying everywhere, celery, like falling off the counter. And (laughs) my ex would be like, what's going on here. But it was so fun for me, because I felt like a little kid helping her mom in the kitchen. And I remember being like, it's just so fun and make a mess. And like, I actually loved getting all the pulp and stuff out of the juicer and just making a mess with my hands and knowing like, it's okay, I'm going to clean this all up. But I feel like a little kid again doing this. So I would go back to your childhood and see what you love to do. Or even in your adulthood, like maybe there was something you did in college that you stopped doing, like writing or pottery or singing or improv or acting and go try to find at least once a month a class or something or a, a studio or a session or a group that can help bring that side of you out because it is such a game changer. It's something that I'm putting a lot of effort into 2022. I just talked to my therapist about this too, where I was like, I don't want everything I do to be tied to work. Like I wanna go to a pottery class and create pottery just for the sake of it, not to sell it on Etsy, not to post about all my progress in the pottery class, like genuinely to just get messy with the clay and have fun and go do something every week that has literally nothing to do with making money or my business. So that's what I'm gonna do. I would love to take a pottery class, I want to take a writing course, I want to go, there's actually an improv group that talk about failure tolerance, I would love to go, but I think I would completely embarrass myself. But it's like, maybe I go try one class, maybe I try my hand at stand up comedy one time, just to be a kid again, right? Like the fun of going on stage and having the fake microphone in your hand when you're little, giving a shot at that now. So yeah, I really encourage you to Do some inventory of your life and see where you can add activities that have nothing to do with making money or promoting yourself or anything, but just literally being childlike and playful and looking like an idiot. Last but not least, is that it's okay to change your mind. And it may mean that something will take longer, but really ask yourself, what's the rush? My favorite question that my therapist always asks me is, then what? So again, I'll use context from my life. There's an example I have from my business where I wanted to change the direction of my business. And I wanted to do the podcast coaching where before a lot of people knew me as a mindset manifestation coach. That's actually still when you're on my website, what the hover bar says is like mindset manifestation. And that's very much the theme you will see in my website. I'm pretty sure my freebie is like a manifestation freebie. And I started to think midway through the year, I would love to coach people on starting a podcast. I didn't realize that there was such a gap here that I could fill where I've had my podcast for years. I know I could help people. I know what I'm doing. I went to school for this stuff. I know how to storytell. I know how to interview. I know how to lay out a compelling story. Why would I not help people do this? But it felt like such a hard pivot from like mindset manifestation, because not all of my mindset clients wanted to launch a podcast. And so I was like, Oh, you know what, let me start by making a course and like teasing it out and then see what will happen. It took way longer than I thought. I originally had planned to launch the course like last January. Then I started putting together the content and I was like, no, I need more time. So then it was going to launch in March. And I actually started promoting it in March, but then I realized I'm like, I don't know why it just doesn't feel like the time right now. And then eventually I finally launched and did it in August. So what I mean by that is like, it took way longer than I expected but what was the rush? Why, why did I need to get it off the ground in January? There was no podcast coaching police being like, Hey, you didn't launch it. You're going to have to stop that idea. There's no idea. Police being like, mm, didn't launch it last year. You can't do it right now. And I realized it's because I changed my mind and I had to give myself a second to like calibrate to the new idea and the thought of like, I am going to be working with different types of clients. This model is totally different. I'm going to be, there's going to be a lot more structure because we're launching a podcast. People would need checklists. They're going to need resources. They're going to need plans. This is a lot different than mindset manifestation coaching. And I realized like, it's okay to change my mind. It's okay that it's going to take longer. And again, asking myself, what's the rush of even getting this off the ground? The question my therapist asked about then what that was really related to finances. So I don't know why in the coaching world, it's always a big deal to have a 10k month or like 100k year. Those are just the the figures you hear all the time It's like, get ready for consistent 10k months or like, are you ready to have your first six figure year? And that's what everybody promotes all the time. So I started beating myself up when I would track my finances and be like, Oh my God, it doesn't look like I'm on track to hit that. Or like, how did I not hit this? How did I not think of a better offer to make, to hit this goal? Whatever. And my therapist was like, okay, let's say you actually did make the six figures this year. Then what? Like, what's your plan after? I was like, I guess it would be to make six figures the next year. And she's like, okay, then what? I was like, well, I guess eventually I want to make seven figures. And she's like, okay, then what? And I was like, Oh my God, I see what she's doing. She's making me realize I have my whole life to figure this out. I don't need to figure everything out in a week or a month or even six months or even a year. And I always think about this this example in the way of authors and books. I always hear people say a book took them like years to write. And I never could understand the concept of writing a book because I'm like, what do you mean? Like, don't you have the idea and you just write it in a week or two and get it off the ground? And it's like, No, some good things take time. Things change. People change their mind of what the book is about or what the characters are doing or what the plot is. So then they have to rewrite. They have to edit. They might have to rewrite again. And I'm like, oh, that's that's what I mean by it's okay to change your mind. It may take you longer. It may not turn out the way you want it to. But again, what's the rush? Why are we all so rushed to get shit done? Like, again, ask yourself, then what? You launch the podcast and you book your dream guests and you get a sponsor. Then what? It's okay to change your mind. And this happened a lot too with even you know the like the dating world. Of maybe I liked someone after you know hanging out with them a few times, then I didn't like them. Okay, it's okay to change my mind. It yeah, now it's going to take me longer to find someone. But again, why would I rush that? That's something that's really important to me. I'm not going to rush dating and settle with someone I don't want to settle with. So. This one is it's really hard to grasp in a world where we a lot of times feel like we're being wishy-washy when we change our minds, or we think we're gonna confuse people, or we look like non-committal. At least that's what I felt. I'll speak for myself. When I did the podcast coaching thing, I was like, this is weird. It's not weird that I'm doing it. Let me rephrase that. I don't think it's weird at all. I think it makes perfect sense that I'm doing podcast coaching, but I was like, this is going to feel really weird for my clients that have invested in my mindset and spirituality and energy work, especially last year around the fall and winter. I was doing a lot around spirituality. I was in a mediumship course. I was learning about like psychic abilities. I was doing Oracle card pulls. I was getting really into like crystals and my pendulum And that was going to be like a big pillar of my business. I kind of was like, I think I need to be more of like a spiritual advisor or do readings for people. And I started leaning into that. So then again, all of a sudden, that's what it felt like to me. All of a sudden switch to podcast coaching was like, what? (laughs) Like what just happened? You were just posting about Oracle cards and energy and tapping into the spirit realm and talking to your angels and angel numbers. And all of a sudden it's like, here's three tools. You need to launch a podcast to me, it felt kind of jarring. And I was like, wow, do I look like some wishy-washy person that like doesn't know what they're doing and like can't commit to something? But I want to go back to a point I made, I feel like last week in the business review podcast as well, was like, you need to experiment. Of course, I would not have my business figured out in year one, just like when you go to college, you don't have what your career figured out in the in freshman year. Or when you go take a class, you don't nail things in the first time. Or when you learn a language, you don't learn it within the first month. So why would I expect myself in business and in life to all of a sudden have everything locked in concrete, solidly, never change it after one month or one week or one year? Like that doesn't make sense. We're humans. We evolve. I've changed. I've changed a lot in the last year. I've changed a lot since my breakup. I feel like I've even changed a lot since September when this is way after the breakup. I've gone through so much and I've evolved so much that like naturally what I want to talk about is going to change, what I'm interested in changes, what I want to teach about changes. And so I need to be okay with me accepting my human evolution and hopefully my community and my audience can take that ride with me. But I don't need to make it mean something about myself that I'm, again, non committal or wishy washy. So, yeah, ask yourself what's the rush when you do change your mind? Ask yourself what's next and ask yourself why am I trying to put pressure on this to get it off the ground? Is it because I'm trying to make a quick buck? Do I think this will make me famous? Do I think this is the thing that's going to get me my life partner? Whatever the case is, really evaluate where that need to rush is coming from. I I imagine a lot of it is from Instagram, at least it was for me, and maybe you need to take a break. Maybe you need to block people, maybe you need to delete the app, maybe you need to get yourself in an accountability group, maybe you need to hire a therapist or a coach, find support systems as you're going through a lot of this stuff. And I guess that would actually be number 11. I know we said 10, but like find support systems. I would not have been able to get through this year without all my support systems. I'm talking from business to personal life. I had a sensuality and like relationship mentor. I had a business coach. I was in a money membership about like financial literacy and wealth embodiment. I was in another membership about intuitive business and witchiness and all these different things. On top of that, I also had a therapist. I had friends. I had my family. I kept up with friends that were in Australia Like if I didn't have all these support systems, I would be a fucking mess right now. So do not be afraid to ask for help. If you are not asking for help and you're trying to internally process everything and deal with shit yourself, you're gonna implode. Your human body and mind is not meant to be a storage unit for a million emotions and thoughts all at once. You need somewhere to process and brain dump. And again, that's why I love therapy because I feel like I'm paying them to brain dump. But maybe you process through writing or art. This is why I love my podcast because I feel like I process a lot through this and it's like, yeah, I need to, I'm, I'm not meant to hold all these emotions and feelings to myself. I need to dump them somewhere to move through them. You know, we're humans. We are a relational species. We thrive off of being with other humans. That's why we have tribal mentalities. We don't like being outcasts. We don't like being by ourselves. We don't thrive being alone all the time. We need human connection. So whether, by the way, when I'm saying ask for help, Maybe you don't need help. Maybe you just want to be around people similar to you or like-minded people. That's why I love memberships or accountability groups or going to a class where I'm like, when I go to the dance class, I know everyone there loves to dance and we're all on the same page and we want to move our body and chair dance. That feels fun to be around a group of people like that. So find community, find help, find a support group because it really is like one of the best things that you can do for yourself. All right. Well, that's it. That's my year in review. I know it was all over the place and I tried to add as much context as I could, but there's still a lot that I'm like processing and need to understand how to articulate, which is again, why I'm in therapy all the time and why I like to read books and understand different perspectives. And I love learning about the mind because it's such an an interesting, complex thing. But like I said, the podcast does help me process. So Thank you for listening. I hope this helped you in some way. And like I said, in 2022, I want to do a lot more solo episodes. So let me know what you want to hear about, whether that is more about dating and relationships and like my honest truth and experience with them, or business and how I've actually, you know, tried to sustain myself for the last year and, you know, the things I've done and haven't done. um, Travel. I have so many, I, I'm trying to figure out if I should make a different travel podcast or just make my bonus subscription all about travel because there's so many tips and tricks I have not from like just the you know how to book a cheap flight or how to be safe when you're traveling but from like a an attitude and mental perspective around traveling I know a lot of people wonder like how do I work while I'm traveling and how do I meet people and where am I getting the money and all these things so I would love to share more about travel So, I will link the submit a question form in the show notes where you can also leave feedback and your ideas. Make sure you DM me at Chelsea Rife and make sure you leave a review if you found this helpful at all. Ratings and reviews help so much. By the way, you can rate on, on Spotify now. You can't write a review, but you can rate. So, that will help me so much in reaching more people. And a review is honestly like payment. I do this podcast for free. I put a lot of work into it. I put a lot of energy and time into it. I do a lot of planning. I do a lot of editing. And so really I do consider your review like the least amount of currency and it's the greatest gift ever. So just remember too, if you leave a review, you're going to be entered into a giveaway to win a year long subscription with open. And if you want to try the trial, go to my show notes where you can try it 30 days free. What I would do is download it on January 1st, because then you can do the whole challenge with us for free and we can do it together. So again, head to the link, my show notes, use that link to sign up right around January 1st, and then we'll do the challenge together. I'm thinking of doing a close friends, Instagram story where we can all check in and, um, hold each other accountable. And then the habit tracking whiteboard, definitely going to be doing that. And just remember the app also keeps track of your streak as well. So yeah, I'm going to be committing to the easiest thing possible, like three to five minutes a day when I feel like doing more, I will, but I am all about the path of least resistance in 2022. So yeah, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have an amazing new year. Be safe, rest, chill. I feel like that's the vibe right now is just like chill, rest, don't overdo it and take some time to yourself and review your year and see all the things that you want to celebrate. All right. I'll see you guys in 2022.